So when Thanksgiving comes around, guess what the last thing is that I want to talk about? Thanksgiving. I'm not against being thankful, okay? I am not against being thankful, as you'll hear today. But it just feels so predictable, doesn't it? Oh, Christmas. Guess what we're going to get? A Christmas sermon. And there's just no mystery in it. There's no sense of, uh, you know, it feels like at times, what, what does God want to say? Maybe it's not preaching on thankfulness on Thanksgiving week. Maybe it's preaching about something else. But no, he, he actually, I asked him that, and he said, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. <laughs> I was like, Sweet. And it's not fun to realize that that's what we were going to do because, again, I say this almost every week, when you're preaching on something, you're wrestling with it. And if you're not wrestling with it the week before, you have been months before, and you're going to months after. So I'll, I'll let you guess. What do you think my week was like? It was a turkey. It was a turkey. <laughs> you and Mark should start a club, Daniel. Of good jokes. Anybody else? Wait, how do you think my week may have gone? Challenging. Challenging. What? Ungrateful. That's a good one. Yeah. I was annoyed this week. Who's had weeks where you're just annoyed? People are like, great, but they look at you funny and you're annoyed. Mark, don't look at me that way. You're annoying me. Yep. You have those moments. Don't we all have them? And then you think about Thanksgiving and go, man, I'm obligated to give thanks this week. Or you think maybe this one time a year I can posture myself to look like I'm thankful. And we sit around the table and some of us, who who does the sitting around and you give thanks, what you're thankful for, one thing, those are good things. But we expect those things. I know for me, when Thanksgiving comes, especially with extended family, and there are a few that I don't care to be around, and I have to say something about them or whatever, I mean, I, I need months to plan this. <laughs> I mean, it's really only going to be a sentence. But for some, correct, there are some relationships that we have where you've got to really think about what you're thankful for. Does anyone struggle with that other than me? Please tell me I'm not the only one. Okay, well, all 10 of you. Thank you. Um, so you start to prepare because the season calls for it. There's a sense of obligation, for good or for bad, to put you in a place where we have to think about our lives, look at it, think about these things, and then be grateful for them. Well, there's some things in our lives we're not grateful for. I'm not thankful for. Well, how do I put that face on? Because we have a good meal. Now, you put a good meal in front of me, I'll tell you whatever you want. <laughs> okay? That meal's going to change my life. You could be the most annoying person I've ever met in my life. But that day, you're remarkable. Okay? But what if I'm not carrying a heart of thankfulness because I'm looking at my circumstances? My circumstances are telling me what is there to be thankful for and then what is Thankfulness. What does it mean to be thankful? I don't know. Does it mean to be appreciative of something, grateful for something? Yeah, I'm sure it does. 
I heard a definition of thankfulness that I thought was really good because this is how I feel half the time when I go, oh, thank the Lord, or oh, thank goodness. It's the sense of being relieved. How many have said that phrase? Oh, thank God. Anybody? Yeah. You're oh, phew. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's relief, isn't it? And then you have the appreciative, well, I'm so thankful for you. Oh, get that smug look off your face when you say that, would you please? The cynic here. Okay. There's, there is this sense that the core of thankfulness can be lost. And it takes different shapes and forms. Sometimes it feels condescending. Sometimes it feels obligatory. Sometimes it feels like we're convincing ourselves because we don't know how to handle the reality in front of us and we think if we're just thankful for everything and say it, somehow it'll happen and we will be. So this morning, what I want to dive into a little bit is, first, what does Scripture have to say about thankfulness and the importance of it? And then what does that look like in our lives so that we can invite people into it? Because remember, we're talking about being a living invitation. How do we accept the invitation to live out of thankfulness and then invite people to see how we do it? I'm not always very good at it. I'm good at saying it. I say thank you for everything and I say sorry for everything. So you want to do that? I'm so sorry. Stop saying you're sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Someone gives you a cup of coffee. Thank you. Thank you. And you have to, I have to say it like 15 times. It's a cup of coffee, Brendan. Chill. I was uh, out visiting some people in California uh, for a, a meeting uh, a couple months ago and was uh, staying with some people. And, and, you know, when someone invites you into their home and they start giving you food and you know, the response is what? Thank you. And how I knew we were going to talk about this today was from this one moment. Because the guy said to me after spending a couple of days with him, you know, you are an extremely thankful person. And I want you to know I appreciate that about you. Thank you. (laughs) And I walked away going, I don't feel thankful. Why, Why when he said that, why, why did I feel as if a dagger was going through my heart when he said that to me? Was I thankful and grateful that I had a meal? Yes. But he said, my person, my being exudes thankfulness. And I knew it did not. Why did it not? And this is a question we're going to answer, hopefully for all of us. Thankfulness is a posture that is a non-negotiable when we look, examine, and live Scripture. And it is not only out of what God does that we are thankful and called to be thankful. It's, it's more than that. Someone does a good service to you, we say thank you. But how can I live a life of thankfulness and be thankful towards God. And let's just, say, let's just say, for example, 
I am called to be thankful to Mark. But Mark, all he does is just sit there and look at me. Let's just say my whole life, he's just sat there and looked at me. One, that's creepy. But two, he hasn't done anything. What am I to be thankful for? I mean, he hasn't done a thing. He's just sat there and he stared at me. When we look at Scripture, thankfulness is a posture that we are called to have that's only based on God's goodness. Not what he's done yet. Simply that he's good. We're going to look at Psalm 100 today. So if you have your Bibles... um, Feel free to open them and read them. Or if you just want to sit and listen, that's great too. Psalm 100. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge, this is important, acknowledge That the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates, his dominion, his place, his presence with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is what? Good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. We haven't even heard how that's manifested yet. Worship the Lord, come into his presence with thanksgiving, because he is good. We see all through the Psalms that they start, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures. And then all the content comes after that. Because the posture is, give thanks to the Lord. Because he is good, done. Not because your circumstances are great. Not because you got that job promotion. Not because you make a million bucks a year. If you do, I want to get to know you. It's simply about his goodness, his character, who he is. He is worthy to be praised and we are to be thankful to him because he's simply good, period, done, end of conversation. Well, Brendan, he doesn't always feel good. My, my circumstances don't always express the goodness of his character. Well, yeah, because there's sin in the world. And they mess with those circumstances. But God is still good. That's, that's a done deal. You don't get to judge. We don't get to judge whether he's good or not. He just is. Every breath we take... It's not something we're entitled to. It is something that we are given and blessed with out of God's goodness. He's worthy to be praised because he is good because we breathe. Sometimes that breath might be painful because of the things around us, but it does not change the character of God. He's good. Okay. Well, we got that. He's good. How do I get there? How can I get to a place in my life? How can you get to a place in your life where your circumstances, your mind, 
is not always trying to convince your heart, but your heart convinces your mind. Because my mind tells me it's been a really cruddy week. And I'm really trying to convince my heart and tell my heart, you know what? I'm entitled to being mad and unthankful because my circumstances say this week has stunk. But if I can posture myself to be with Jesus in a way that I recognize he's good no matter what my circumstances are, then my heart can tell my mind, guess what? You might see all these things, but it's the wrong kind of sight in this moment because God is good. See, we want proof of his goodness. I can give you that. We can look at the cross and see that he's good. We can look at the blessings in our life and see that he's good. Some people don't have the luxury of those kind of blessings. How is he still good? Because there is something designed in us. If we are created in his image, we are created to recognize goodness without action yet. The simple, pure, unhindered goodness of God. Because somehow we get there. I have talked to people whose lives have been miserable and they love God with all their hearts. They say he's good, he's good, he's good. And nothing in their timeline would show you that he's good by anything that has been done. Why are they still entering his gates with thanksgiving and praising his name? Because something in them knows to the very spiritual and physical DNA of their being that he is good. And out of goodness comes hope. And as long as he stays good, which will be forever, there is always hope, which means there's always hope. I reflected on this, and I, where have I seen this best illustrated in a human being? It's great to talk about it out of Scripture. But it is very helpful when we see these things breathed out in humanity, correct? It's why we share our story. It's why stories are so important. In 2004, I was in my senior year in college, and I was taking every dumb class I could so I wouldn't have to engage with anything intelligent. <laughs> right? You t- yeah, my, my senioritis. Okay. So I took opera which I found out was a lot harder than I thought. And one of the assignments, I know you laugh, is that we needed to go to an opera, experience it, write on it a little bit, but engage. I'm going, sweet. I can do that. I'm earning credits to leave school. I can do this. Okay. So I was in Philadelphia, so we got to go to the Metropolitan Opera House in New York City and see the Barber of Seville. Couldn't tell you what they sing anything, but I knew the title of it. And we were in Manhattan, and a few friends of mine and I were walking around, and we're hungry. Now, I've got 20 bucks to my name. 20 bucks, that's it. That's all I got. Um, And so I, I am treasuring that $20. And as I'm walking, just walking, this, this homeless guy jumps out in front of me like this. 
Yeah, right? I mean, you, you know I'm about to do something that freaks you out. Imagine you're just walking. And someone just jumps in front of you with this big, giant sign that says, how about you and me for dinner on you? (laughs) Now, that's creative. And I'm laughing. Not Adam. I'm going, you are amazing. That was amazing. And I said, look... uh, and I'm going, you know, I know I have $20, but this is what I have for the next month. So I'm going like this. I'm like, I don't really have any. He goes, anything would help, even if you got a nickel. I said, well, I have a nickel. I gave him a nickel, and I start to walk away, and guess how I feel? Oh, yeah, you all know. It's the walk of shame and guilt and obligation. I felt obligated, carrying the name of Jesus, to make sure I get made sure this guy had a meal. So I turn around. I said, sir, I can spare some more money than that. Can I take you to dinner? And he's like, I would love that. Now, when I got a closer look at him, he had his big winter jacket on, and he had lesions all over his face. And I knew this man is probably dying of AIDS. And the, the students I was with were, were ah, Brendan, I don't know if I want to spend some time with this guy. And I said, well, you don't have to. But the Lord put him in my path, and I don't have a choice. <laughs> so we went into Subway. It was all I could afford. And I sat down with him, and he started to tell me his story. Now, he didn't ask for money. He asked for dinner. Understand that. And he asked for dinner with whoever would buy him dinner. So he was asking for a relational experience. It took me a while to realize that. And so we sit down, and this gal with me, Allison, is intrigued. So she sits with me, and we're listening. And he tells a story of how he went down to Mexico, and he made some poor choices and contracted uh, AIDS. And lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his job. He lost his home. And he's going from town to town to try and make ends meet. And he ends up in New York City. And all along the way, he falls in love with Jesus. And I'm sitting in front of this man who just wants to have a meal with someone. And he says to me these words. My money has been taken. My health has been taken. My life has been taken. But God is good, and I am thankful. How? Jesus is enough. In that moment, Jesus was his, his circumstance. That was his context of goodness. Everything was taken from him, but he, he knew who he was. And he said, uh, can I give you a hug goodbye? This has meant a lot. That's where Allison goes, peace out. <laughs> and in that moment, I didn't care. I said, absolutely. And I gave him a hug, walked away, and I zoned out in Barbarousville. <laughs> I'm in this beautiful place, but all I can think about are, is, are those words Everything has been taken from me, 
but God is good and I'm thankful. And it went over and over and over and over in my mind. And we hear in Scripture over and over, give thanks to the Lord, proclaim His greatness, because He's good and His love endures forever. You might be coming to Thursday, right? Thursday, that's Thanksgiving. Okay, you might be coming to Thanksgiving on Thursday and not being thankful for anything, but there is much to be thankful for. For as long as God is good, there is hope that your circumstances will change. And even if they don't, he's still good. Our, our country is tearing itself apart because we are so fearful of everything. How will my circumstances change? It doesn't matter if they change because God is good. And we live a life of thankfulness even in the worst of circumstances. That should be the center of our conversations. Not what's happening in the political realm of things in our country, but how good God is in spite of all of that. I can get around a table with people I don't like and eat a good meal and praise God for that. And I can get around a table with people I love and still be thankful. All the way around the board. Psalm 100 says this, and I want us to be very clear. Acknowledge that the Lord is good because guess what? He made us. And we are his. Acknowledge that the Lord is God because he made us. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So, of course, we should be entering his gates with thanksgiving because he's good. And I want to I end with this story. Understand that when we are stripped down, when our circumstances have stripped us down, it's almost, no, it's, it's a gift. Because more times than not, we can see God with the greatest of clarity. When the Twin Towers were hit, you saw clarity in our people probably for the first time in a long time. We acknowledge that God is in the midst and you saw people crying out. When your circumstances get so bad, what do we finally do? And those are sad words. What do we finally do? We cry out. Now, I would encourage us, no matter what season of life you're in, when it comes to that point, what are you noticing? Because when you notice the desperation and you cry out to the Lord, if you can allow yourself to be there for a moment and ask yourself, why are you doing that? What are you noticing about him that is making you cry out? Because you believe something. You believe something intrinsically in your heart about God that can be taught or not taught. It's just there. It's just there. And we see for a moment that he is good and he is worth, for, he is worth crying out to. One of, one of my favorite, I'm a movieaholic, and one of my favorite scenes ever is in the dumbest movie I've ever seen. Joe versus the Volcano. Has anyone ever seen that movie? Who's still trying to forget that they've seen that movie? Anybody? It's about a guy who's, who's told he's dying so that he'll jump in a volcano so it won't erupt. It's this tribe thinks if they sacrifice someone, okay? And so he believes he's dying. 
And the opening scene shows him in a basement office with those terrible lights flicking and, and, and the sound, and it looks like hell on earth. He's got no relationships. This is Tom Hanks, by the way, sporting a mullet, a beautiful mullet. He's got no relationships. He's got a dead-end job, literally. He's got those fluorescent lights causing a tick in his face. And then he's told he's dying. And he goes on this adventure to get to this island with Meg Ryan. Because, of course, where there's Tom, there's Meg. And where there's Meg, there's Tom. And there's a scene where he has all this luggage. And they get in a shipwreck. And he, this luggage pops up out of the water. He makes a raft out of it. And he puts Meg on there. And they're out to sea for days. And he's thirsty. He's, he's dying. And there's a scene where he wakes up about two or three in the morning to this light hitting him. And he's going like this. And you see this really cheesy graphics, but it it gave a great picture of the moon kind of rising over the ocean. And it's huge. And you see this man uh, coming up and he looks at this moon. Now, everything has been taken from him. Hope, as we would call it. Resources, relationships, everything. He has this one moment of clarity. He sees the moon and he says these words. I forgot how big you are. It's the first thing he says. And I'm watching this cheesy movie and now I'm weeping. (laughs) And then he says this. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my life. I forgot how big you are. Thank you for my life. No matter our circumstances, we can be thankful because we're his and we have breath. And it's nothing we're entitled to. It's nothing we can do to earn it. And we definitely don't deserve it. But he gives it to us. And sometimes those breaths are painful. And sometimes... We feel like we have nothing to be thankful for. But in those moments, if we can gain a moment of clarity, we will see how big he is and be thankful. So I want to encourage you, not in this season, I want to encourage you every day of your life. This is how our day begins. This is how our day ends. Thank you, God, for my life. I may not like the condition of my circumstances, but I love your eternal condition of being good. And that I'm thankful for. Amen? Let us pray. I don't know what to say. God uh, would come close to capturing how I feel and how we feel in this moment. So we will use the words that you inspired in the hearts of the psalmist. You are good and we give you thanks. We thank you simply for who you are. And then we thank you that we are yours. And then we thank you for all the things that you have done in our lives and that you will continue to do. 
in the midst of a world that tries to rob us of your blessing. We thank you that you are greater still. I ask that we would leave this place with a greater sense of hope and peace and joy about especially what this week thrusts us into. That we wouldn't feel obligated, we wouldn't feel pressured, we wouldn't put on a a fake face in order to fulfill some empty obligation, but we would be filled with joy of just knowing that you are good and allow that to pour out of our lives so that people can see it and be invited into it and experience the true meaning of thankfulness, the acknowledgement that you are good. That's what it is, acknowledgement that you are good. That we would not leave um, discouraged about what life will bring, but encouraged by what you bring and who you are. And as we take this offering, you know our needs. You know them. And I thank you that this isn't our church, this is your church. And that you take care of your people. So we ask that you would bless us in every way, to the the fullest, all that you are. That we would find our storehouses full financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. There's nothing that this world can do to rob us of the things that you have for us. So we thank you. Bless our time in worship, for you are good, and we give thanks, and we praise you for your love endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. the king